Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 410. Today is April 14th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Today's episode, I want to touch on some questions I've been receiving about, you know, hedging against a market downturn or where to park your money safely as you wait for a possibly better buying opportunity, you know, whether you do that with CDs, treasuries, money market funds. We'll get to all that in a second. I do want to first mention that I have another road trip coming up. I will be in one of my favorite states, which is Wyoming. It is one of those states where I make a conscious effort to build my business. And frankly, if Mrs. Pugliano would let me, I would actually move there. But that's not in the cards for now. So I just have to enjoy the state whenever I get the opportunity to pass through. In any case, I do have an upcoming trip there. If you're located along the I-80 corridor and you're interested in learning more about my firm and how it may or may not relate to your investment objectives, well, get in touch with me. Maybe we can do a quick one-on-one meeting while I'm there. Also, I'd encourage you, if you do have interest in my firm, to look at investablewealth.com on both the front landing page as well as the about section. And that pretty much spells out what my firm does and what kind of clients we work with. My services are not intended to meet the needs of everyone, and that's why you don't hear me mass market. I serve a very specific clientele, but if that might be you, and if you're in Wyoming, along that I-80 corridor, well, touch base with me. Well, let's talk about hedging and where to park your money safely as you wait for a better buying opportunity into a market that may be dipping maybe totally falling apart, maybe we're headed to a recession. I can't predict the future. I've been very cautious for at least six months now. I was especially concerned as we went into the fourth quarter of last year and two main events happened. Number one was that at that point it was 100% evident that the Federal Reserve was not just talking their normal talk, but was actually serious about raising interest rates and holding them at or above a restrictive level. The other big thing that happened, and I don't talk about it much because I don't want to get dragged down into the tinfoil hat rabbit hole, but in September 26th, when the Nord Stream pipeline got sabotaged, that to me was a tell of a black swan event that could spiral into a series of very unfortunate geopolitical events. So for me and my money, until at least we get through the next stage of whatever's going to happen with the battle between Russia and Ukraine, I think it's wise to at least be conscious that some other type of black ops destruction or cyber attack or something on a scale that could have an impact to the stock market, I think that's probable. I don't know that it's highly probable, but I think a prudent person would at least keep that in the back of their mind and plan accordingly. And so what does a prudent person do when they're worried about some type of a market correction or a further decline in the market? Now, I've talked infinitum about how I'm not worried about rising interest rates or whether inflation is increasing or decreasing. My whole concern has been that the excesses from the pandemic have still not been totally taken out of the system. If you look at any gauge of money, whether it's M1, M2, M3, 
they're all still extremely high above trend. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I put out one of those charts over at investablewealth.com, if I remember right, we were like four and a half years above where M2 money supply should be. So all that money doesn't come out of the system immediately. Well, look where we are. We're still not in the throes of a recession yet, and we may not even ever get to one because everybody is so highly anticipating it, and people are making corrective actions. Markets adjust, people adapt. And where that comes into market timing and where that comes into trying to protect your principal is that all these type of precautionary trades or hesitancy or safety factors or hedging, depending upon what you're doing, how you're trying to protect your portfolio or protect your principal, they all come with a cost. Sometimes the cost is missed opportunity. Sometimes the cost is the fee that you would pay if you were buying something like a protective put. The cost may be just the decay factor that occurs if you're in some type of an ETF that's either leveraged or hedged or uses futures contracts or other types of options that have premiums and expiration dates. And so since all these things come at varying degrees of some type of a cost, you should be aware of that. I I see so many people that, you know, they jump right into some type of a hedged or an inverted ETF like SH or if they want to play volatility, you know, an ETF like VIXY, which pretty much tracks the VIX, or whether you're actively purchasing protective puts or out and out selling stocks or selling the S&P 500 short. If that trade works against you, meaning that if the market doesn't go down or because the way those fees are structured or the way ETFs degrade, you can lose a substantial amount of money, far more by trying to hedge than you can by simply taking a long position. In this episode, I'm not going to go into all the particulars about how you can lose money by hedging. But a number of years ago, I did do a video. It's over at my YouTube channel. It's called something like Beware of ETF Decay. And I give real-life examples and do some illustrations using charts about how those ETFs that use hedging and leverage and inversion can rapidly degrade and you can lose your money. So if you're someone that's thinking about playing the options game or using these ETFs, check out that video and at least be forewarned about what you're getting into. And I bring this up because, again, you know, I've been very pessimistic or at least cautious for a good six or seven months. The market has not fallen apart. The market's trading in a range. And that range is really no more than about 10%. In terms of magnitude, the market is fairly subdued, and it's subdued enough that I have chosen not to swing trade it. Because as I look at the market and I perceive the risk, the stocks that have gone up the most, especially this year, are ones that I just don't want to touch. I don't think they have any type of fundamental valuation that is something that I want to own long term. And I'm talking about things like, you know, meme stocks like GameStop or AMC, you know, I don't care how much they bounce and go up. I'm not going to own them because they're just too volatile. They're speculation. They're not investments. Now, on another company like, say, Shopify, I think that's a viable company with a solid business plan, but their valuation is just way too high for the criteria of a stock that I want to buy into. So that's just to give you some examples of 
why I would rather just sit tight and not try and specifically pick stocks or time this market. Because I believe that overall, there's much more downside than upside. And even with doing things like protective puts, or selling cash-secured puts, or even selling covered call options against positions that I own, the actual volatility measured by the premiums on options, it's just not a big enough spread or premium that I'm interested in. You know, for example, today, even with us being, you know, some 35 days into this banking crisis, and I do banking crisis in air quotes, the VIX is below 17 and a half. So although you hear a lot of investor fears and trepidation, and there is tons of money sitting on the sideline, at the same time, if you measure volatility by the VIX, well, that VIX level is about as low as it has been in the last 12 months. Is that a sign of investor complacency where you should be taking a bear position and hedging against it because obviously there's too much enthusiasm, irrational exuberance, and the market's headed for a bigger drop? Or on the other hand, right, the other side of that coin, are people's fears and worries about the market going lower? Are they just way too over-exaggerated? And the Fed is simply going to reduce rates and everything's going to be hunky-dory and the market's going to go on to all-time record highs. I mean, that's really the two arguments. That's the tug of war that's going on in the market right now. Yeah, this is a big digression from where I was planning on going, but that's really what you're up against as you decide, are you going to hedge against a downturn? And so far, for the better part of 18 months and surely over the last 12 months, taking a hedging strategy for any length of time, would have lost you a lot more money than it would have made you. Because over the last 18 months or so, even though generally the market has been in a downward trajectory, there were only about four or five key big dips in the market, and they didn't last long. And specifically, for about the last 12 months, you really only had two good dips. Other than that, the market has really been, and market, I'm talking S&P 500 here, it has been trading in a fairly tight range. And, and thus, that's why I think is part of the reason that the VIX is so low, given the perceived risk. And because that VIX is low, the premiums are just not there to take long-term hedge positions against it. And so, it's a long way of getting to the point, but for those of you that asked, why am I not buying puts or selling cash-secured puts or shorting stocks or using inverse ETFs like SH, or playing the volatility like VIXY. Why am I not doing those things? Because I just don't see the benefit to it. Every time the market pulls back, it either bounces right back up, or it just moves sideways and stagnates. And in that kind of a short bottom cycle or a sideways movement, you're much better off either just staying long and you know buying and holding through it, then you are trying to hedge against it because going long doesn't really have any of the friction or the cost associated with those fees or premiums that you're paying by hedging your position. You can sit in an ETF like SPY and there's very little cost or friction associated with that. But if you're an SH, it's going to rapidly degrade over time. Okay, again, hard to portray this in an audio podcast, but if you are interested in understanding what I'm trying to say here, go back and watch that old YouTube video 
about ETF decay. And so through the market that we've been in, for me and my money, rather than trying to hedge against it or play the volatility angle, I focused on simply remaining in cash, just parking my money in cash. My position has always been that moving into cash is an asset class in and of itself, and it is a trade. The trade is simply to temporarily remain in cash. That given the market we've been in, the hedging strategy that has the least cost associated with it is simply remaining in cash. And when I say cash, I obviously don't mean cash cash. I mean a cash equivalent like a money market fund. And right now, those things are all paying you know, somewhere probably north of 4.5%. That's even for the government-backed versions. So while you're still getting a negative rate of return because inflation's probably running at better than 5%, it's still a whole lot better than what we were getting seven, eight, or even, you know, just nine months ago. And the reason that I personally choose to be in a money market fund as opposed to like a three-month treasury or, you know, a short-dated CD, I get a lot of questions from people. Why, why do I do that? Why do I just sit in a money market fund when I can pick up another 25 or 50 or maybe even 75 basis points by going into a CD or U.S. treasury? If you're owning those directly as opposed to being in a money market fund that's backed by those kind of instruments, you know, depending upon what version of that you use, you're likely locked into it. Specifically with a CD, a certificate of deposit, they don't have the liquidity that a treasury would have that you could at least sell to get out of. And the problem with owning treasuries direct, while you can sell those in the secondary market and you're not necessarily locked into them to, to be held through maturity, Remember that they do have interest rate risk. And so as rates go up, the principal on those will go down. And we don't know how long the Fed will hold at the rate they're at, or, you know, there's nothing to say that they won't continue to raise at least another 25 or maybe even 50 basis points. I think it's unlikely at this point that they'd go up another 50 basis points, but we don't know. So even if you're moving into short-dated U.S. Treasuries, there still could be some interest rate risk, and there's definitely the possibility of lack of liquidity. Remember, if the Federal Reserve isn't out there buying $120 billion every month of U.S. Treasuries, well, who is? Okay, and I'm not saying that the U.S. Treasury market's going to dry up, but liquidity has definitely gone down. And so I don't want to move into an instrument that could have a lack of liquidity, especially during a panic. And to get the type of buying opportunity in the market that I'd like to see, it would have to be at panic levels. Again, think of another Black Swan, Nord Stream type sabotage or other type of military attack on a civilian or a significant military target. You know, if that throws the S&P 500 into some type of a turmoil, even if it's only short-lived for a couple weeks, I personally don't want to have my money locked up in a CD or a treasury that I can't get out of. That's why I like being in money market funds. They're 100% liquid. At any point during the trading day, I can use that money in the money market fund to instantly move into some type of a trade. And remember, when you're dealing with the market through a discount broker, that trade could be anything. You could trade in the S&P 500. You could trade in individual stocks. You can buy things. You can short things. You can get into option contracts. 
You can buy ETFs that are sector-focused or that are targeted in commodities. You can buy real estate through real estate investment trusts. I mean, the market itself, the opportunities that you have as an individual investor at a discount broker are only limited by your own creativity. But to be able to take advantage of those moves in the market, you have to have the cash available. And again, that's why I prefer to be in a pure money market fund as opposed to trying to pick up another fraction of a percent of higher interest in a CD or short-dated U.S. Treasury. Now again, that's my preference with the deteriorating economic conditions and what I consider to be two extremely high valuations in the market and very low options payout risk premiums. Again, for me and my money, I will take the chance of sitting in cash. Well, how's it all going to work out? Come on back for future episodes. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.